Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. The Economist. In London, this is The Economist. You're listening to Babbage, a weekly conversation about science and technology. I'm Helen Joyce, the international editor, and I'm joined in the studio by Jason Palmer, science correspondent. And later we'll be speaking with our US technology editor, Alexandra Suich. This week we'll be talking about a new technology which could change the way that drugs like heroin are produced, and why tech companies are choosing to test their products in New Zealand. Jason, we're hearing this week that home-brewed heroin might soon be possible. Is that as dangerous as it sounds? Uh, well, potentially, um, and it is a, a very thorny one. Um, we have to think about uh, heroin produced from the opium poppy and so on. Plants are uh, biochemical factories that, through very complex means, produce all kinds of, of chemicals, good and bad, let's say. Um, and what's being brought in here is the homebrewed part, the yeast. Now, yeast already produces something we, we know about. They eat sugar, they produce carbon dioxide, that makes your bread rise, that makes alcohol, that may make your parties better. Um, But what we're hearing about this week is a bit of uh, lab trickery, some genomics and some biochemistry that will make yeast able to eat sugar and produce morphine. So how is it done? Well, uh, a bit of what's called synthetic biology, which um, we've spoken about on the program before, um, and again, some, some serious biochemical wizardry. There's 15 biochemical steps uh, between the sugar, if you like, and the morphine within the um, the opium poppy. At each stage, that's mediated by an enzyme, and all of this is tremendously complex chemistry within within the plant. And there's been a lot of work to try to sort of replicate those biochemical steps in, say, yeast or also bacteria. Most recently, that's been done in E. coli, a bacterium you may have heard of uh, before. And scientists were able to replicate all the steps kind of working backwards from morphine back to a a molecule called S-reticuline. And they got all of that repeated in E. coli. But they, there they got stuck. That, that work was published in April. Um, and what they weren't able to do was to get uh, sort of an intermediary step between something called tyrosine, which is an amino acid, to the S reticulum and so on. So you can already hear from, from all the terminology here, this is, this is not simple business. And that's kind of where it stayed, but not for very long. Because this week what we're hearing is uh, some research from the University of California at Berkeley. Um, they went looking all over the place for plants that might have the enzyme that does this middle bit, basically. And they found it in sugar beets. So this is the promise of synthetic biology. You see a chemical you want and you search around in nature for all the relevant bits of the process and then you build them into one organism to make it. It does sound that easy. This is the way it goes with scientific publications. You know, you get the sort of, you don't hear about all the things that sort of went wrong. Um, But this is still very much a black art. These researchers had to go find a way of tagging their candidate enzymes with with a fluorescent marker so they could tell which ones were actually working. They had to scan through half a million of these sort of mutant yeast to see which one was actually doing what they wanted it to do. This is all still uh, very intense of work in the lab. And in truth, they've only found sort of the the two bits of the process. We still don't have a bit of yeast that can start with sugar and turn out with morphine. But we can see very straightforwardly there's there's a path here. And that's what's still showing off the the power of this this synthetic biology, these kinds of methods. And we're going to see a lot more of this kind of research being done with critters being engineered to make things that, you know, we consider useful and that, you know, in a lot of cases could be quite dangerous. So you say things that we might find useful, but we don't really find heroin useful, do we? Heroin isn't, but certainly lots of things that come from the opium poppy are. Uh, morphine, oxycodone, hydrocodone, codeine, all of these sort of opioids, these things are derived from, from opium. Um, and those are very useful, you know, clinically. 
Um, and in truth, uh, th- this kind of this pattern has been played out before. There have been drugs already made, um, starting with here's the plant that makes it. Now, how do we get yeast to do it? That's what happened with artemisinin, uh, a treatment for for malaria. So this this kind of thing is already underway. But what we're going to need increasingly um, are basically regulatory frameworks for when the outcomes of these things become become dangerous. So I mean, this does raise ethical questions because it's going to be easier for people to homebrew heroin as well. Well, uh, that's true, and that's why there is a, an absolute need for for fast-responding regula- regulation to make sure that this doesn't get into the hands of, of people who would turn this into their own sort of homebrew industry and so on. But you know, the silver lining that comes with that cloud um, is that uh, with this kind of engineering, you could make, let's say, just as effective oxycodone, hydrocodone that isn't as addictive. Um, and opioids also uh, lead to antibiotics and so on. Those could be made more effective and so on. So there, there are two sides to this coin, of course, um, and it's a very, very fast-moving part of the science world. Thanks, Jason. Moving on now to our second story this week. It's well known that software and app developers like to test their products before they launch them. Many set their sights on an unexpected market for their research. New Zealand. I'm joined down the line from San Francisco by Alexandra Switch, our US technology editor, to talk about this. Alexandra, why New Zealand? It's sort of like giving a speech. You don't want to perform one in public before you've practiced it in front of a mirror. So software developers want to do a lot of tests before they launch and to work out kinks or bugs and make sure that their server can handle traffic. They have two options. They could do these trials in a small market, like a state or city within America. Uh, The risk is that people find out about it, compare notes with friends about features they're seeing. It's far better to go to one country to do a trial across the board. And so people have set their sights on a far-flung one, which is New Zealand. What sort of firms are doing these trials? It's actually everyone. It's small startups who are looking to do beta tests before they officially launch. It's game companies and it's established big firms that are name brands. So one example is Microsoft, which is testing an app in New Zealand right now called Savvy. Facebook has also done tests in New Zealand uh, for features that it's decided in the end not to roll out in some cases. Well, that's interesting. That suggests that sometimes what they learn from these trials is that their ideas are not successful. Have you any other examples? Well, so Facebook had a really interesting one. They did two things. Once they tried vanishing messages like Snapchat to see if that took off, it didn't in New Zealand. And another example is they offered to users to pay to promote their status updates. So if they paid less than two American dollars, their friends could see what they were up to and their message would be spread more commonly in other people's news feeds. People objected to that too. And so they didn't they didn't roll it out broadly. But the the reality is that New Zealand is so far away that they did perhaps annoy some users in New Zealand, but no one else outside of New Zealand heard anything about it. If they don't look at New Zealand, are there other countries or other markets that are used as test beds like this? For American firms, they like an English-speaking country. So if it's not New Zealand, some people look at Ireland Uh, Others will look at South Africa if they want to do a test for a lower-income English-speaking country and market. And if it's a Latin American firm or Spanish-speaking firm, a lot look to Chile, actually. It's small, so you get a statistically significant sample size to see if it catches on, uh, and it's also relatively affluent. What does all this tell us about the market these days for apps and for software? 
It's sort of like a Hollywood movie. The first weekend, the opening weekend, really determines the future of the film and its fortunes. Uh, For apps, how one performs in the app store upon release is extremely important for future sales. That's when reviews come in. uh, People will see what the top 10 apps are and choose to buy them. And so a successful launch is critical. That's why it's important to iterate beforehand and test so that there aren't any issues when it's first released. Thanks, Alexandra. Thank you, Helen. That's all we have time for this week. But if you'd like more science and technology coverage, you can find it at economist.com. In London, this is The Economist. The Economist. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.